October 11th, 2023, we're in Masechet Betza and This morning's class and the classes, hopefully for not too long foreseeable future, are for the Zechut of Ahenu B'nai Israel and Eris Israel, who are both defending themselves and fighting on our entire behalf. They should only have a speedy victory and Yeshua. Amen. And so we're in the middle of the Amud over here, basically right in the middle, where the, in the middle of the line, the Gemara says, means there was a question that was posed, there was a question of Hillel, which was opposed by Rava. The question went as follows, Yesh Hasi Shabbat or En Hasi Shabbat? Is there a concept, an entity known as Mukseh, which will be relevant um, only halfway through Shabbat or not? Now, as the Gemara will quickly describe to us, a circumstance, because what does that mean? That it's partially prepared and partially not prepared? What exactly is the situation? It's indeed what the Gemara questions. We can understand the words, Mukseh, for half of Shabbat. Mukseh means it wasn't on your mind or it wasn't set aside, but what does that mean? That it's for half Shabbat as opposed to the entire Shabbat. Hechidameh questions the Gemara or questioned uh, Rava in context. Uh, well, what exactly are you talking about? As Rashi explains, the easiest way to think about this is with the the prototypical example of mukseh, and that's the dried fruits. And in turn, the question is, well, what happened What happened in the moments and hours leading into Shabbat? Were these fruits edible or not? A person brought these fruits to the top of their roof. And in turn, in some way, shape, or fashion, their mindset is either attached to these fruits or not. Are these fruits still edible? Are they edible at all? Have they been dried out? That's your objective. Are they in the stages leading to be dried out? If they're in the stages leading to be dried out, they're inedible. And as a result, it's la'ahazeh. They're not edible and they're mukseh entirely. What type of question uh, did you pose? Uh, they weren't edible entering into Shabbat? They're not edible. And as a result, no matter what happens over the course of Shabbat, if in the moments leading into Shabbat, your mind is not on them because they're set aside in terms of both physically, but in terms of your actions and mind. That's mukseh. If alternatively, on the other side of matters, they're raui, they are edible, and they've already been dried out to the extent that you would eat from them, then ahazet, and they're not mukseh. Well, how'd you find an in-between situation? They're either edible in the moments leading into Shabbat, the ben hashemashot moments, and as a result, not mukseh, or they're inedible at that time. You can't eat from them, and as a result, they are mukseh. It's la ahazet. It's not raui. It's not appropriate for consumption. La serichah, says the Gemara. This is the case we've been dealing with. This is what is being questioned. It must be that in the moments leading into Shabbat, it was ra'u'i la'achila. It was appropriately consumed if you wanted to do so. It was edible. On Shabbat, rain came down, for example, and bloats these or swells these fruits to the point that they're not edible to the normal human being. Nobody would consume of these. And then the sun comes out on that same Shabbat 
and makes them again edible. If it's easier for you, you went outside on Friday night with the clothing that you prepared for Shabbat or the clothing that you could have worn on Shabbat, pour it on, not wearable any longer, walk into your home for argument's sake at this point, hang up those clothing in the boiler room or somewhere else. The clothing ha were not wearable as they're soaked with water. They're now dried off. Can you now put on those clothing again? Yesh mukseh lahatsi Shabbat or en mukseh lahatsi Shabbat. That's our situation. So again, the case needs to be that in the moments leading into Shabbat, your mind was on them. If your mind wasn't on them, they're certainly prohibited. It's called mukseh, prototypical example. However, on Shabbat, something happened. The hadar means, and afterwards, adheh, they're pushed aside. It got rained upon. The hadar, and then again afterwards, ahazeh. They're dried out. My, what's the halacha in such a circumstance? The immediate response is, Amar le yesh mukseh. His response is, it is mukseh. Once the rain fell upon them, once whatever object or item that you're dealing with is made, is rendered inedible, is determined to be unusable, your mind is off of it, and as a result, it's irrevocable. It's mukseh, and nothing will bring it back to being usable. Etive, we now have a question on that claim. So again, the question, yesh mukseh la hatsi shabbat, or en mukseh la hatsi shabbat, Jesse's right here, right here. All right, I guess that's closer to you. Yeah, all right. Amale yesh mukseh, so this determination quickly is yesh mukseh etive. Etive means we have a question, a strong question that's in response. It's in response from uh, the words we were just reading in the Biraita earlier on this Amud. Vishavin she'im nolad umumo imo shezeh min If you recall, vishavin means they agree, both the permitting and the prohibiting opinions with regards to if there was a mum on the bechor, on the firstborn animal, there was a blemish even before Yom Tob. There's a question about whether you can determine on Yom Tob whether that's truly a blemish, that's a permanent blemish, a mum kavua or not. However, everybody agrees, even the, even the strict opinion that if the animal is born on Yom Tob with the blemish on it, rendering it, of course, usable, edible to the Kohen, in such a circumstance, it's permitted to be consumed by the Kohen. Let me review the case again. A Bechor, as we've said several times in the last few days, a Bechor, a firstborn animal, is Kadosh. It has a certain inherent Kiddushah and sanctity that renders it only appropriate to be sacrificed to God in the Mikdash. However, if there's a blemish, Bizman hazeh, when we're not sacrificing, it nonetheless now has a certain sanctity, but only to be eaten by the Kohen. That's the halakha if it has that blemish. Here's an animal which is born on Yom Tov. And as it comes out, although if the blemish was undetermined before Yom Tov, you might not be able to determine that on Yom Tov for one of two reasons, maybe three reasons that we discussed. But ultimately speaking, as this is born on Yom Tov, all opinions, for one reason or another, as we addressed, agree that this animal is now edible. Let's think about this animal as it is in the context of mukseh for a moment or two. Says the Gemara, ve'amai, 
Why should this be so, this animal? How does this have anything to do with our conversation? Nema, we should say, Hai bechor me'ikara hava hazeh agav imo. We should have and could envision this bechor, this newborn animal, which emerges from its mother's womb, as initially, in the moments leading into Yom Tov, the Ben Hashem Ashot, critical zone, when we determine whether something's mukseh or not, it is agav imo hazeh. Agav imo means by the way of its mother, it's appropriate, it is edible. What does that mean? There is a halacha, it's, it's come up once or twice in the Masechet already. It's called Ben Pekua. Ben Pekua means that if you were to slaughter the mother of any animal and then find the baby inside of it, the baby is permitted. That's the halacha of Ben Pekua. Ben Pekua means you don't need to per se slaughter the baby, you slaughter the mother and the baby is permitted as well. Furthermore, explains Rashi at the top of the left-hand side of the Amud, when it comes to a Bechor, the sanctity, the Kedushah of the Bechor, is only once it's born. The Pasuk says, Asher yivaled bibkarecha. Kol bechor any firstborn which is born to your bakar, to your cattle, has this sanctity of Bechor. Therefore, as this animal is inside the womb of its mother, I look at the mother and I say, I know that's its first baby. I'm well aware of that. But you know something? I have in mind, I might slaughter the mother. If by I slaughter the mother, the baby never achieves its sanctity. The kiddushah of the baby is only achieved upon birth. If I slaughter it, it's never born. If it's never born, it never achieves its kiddushah. So you can get around eating bichor without any blemish. I look at this mother, I say, no, something, that mother looks delicious and I'll even get the baby as well. Oh, one second, Rabbi, the baby is a bechor, you can't touch that baby. No, the baby only achieves its kedushah once it's born, as Rashi quotes from the Pasuk, once it's born. Therefore, putting this together, when Yom Tov is approaching, quickly on its way, moments beforehand, I look at that mother and I say to myself, whether verbally or not, that mother is edible. Therefore, the baby inside of it as well is edible. No kiddushah to it until it's born. I'll slaughter it before it's born. I'm okay. As a result, the baby inside of the mother is not muksin. Okay. Rabbi, Yom Tov. Does, doesn't fall under killing the baby and the mother in the same day? You're not killing the... Um, you're, you're slaughtering the mother and the baby... We don't have such a halakha because we see it as without a birth, not actually the baby. It's part of the mother and as a result, you don't even need to slaughter the mother. The baby, don't forget. The baby is an extension. No, it's the halakha. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe the fact that I know the mother is impregnated with the bechor, I say that the baby as well already has the status of kedushah. If that wasn't an issue to you, no problem. So the for me, you know, I would right, hundred percent good. So that's the status. So entering into Yom Tov, this baby, which can be slaughtered agav imo, has no kiddushah, and in turn, it's not mukse. On Yom Tov, however, the baby comes out. It yalid, it's born. It it's immediately pushed aside. It's considered mukse. You can't touch that baby in terms of eating any longer. The baby now is a bechor. I didn't slaughter it. The baby gave the, the mother gave birth. 
That already is a case of Mukseh, which arrived on Shabbat. One more time. As Shabbat entered, there's no Mukseh. The baby is edible. Agav Imo. It's born on Yom Tov. The baby now has the status of Mukseh. It's Kadosh. It's a Bechor. I need to determine whether it has a Mum. Then, I take the baby and I show it to the Mumche. I show it to the person who knows the laws of Mumin. In that moment, when he determines this baby was born with a permanent blemish, it's only then permitted. So effectively, we're not dealing with clothing, we're not discussing food, we're discussing an animal which is born in a moment that, the second beforehand it was permitted, the second it's born, it's prohibited, the second afterwards, or moments afterwards that I show it to the hacham, it's now permitted. That's called Mukseh Lahatsi Shabbat. As Shabbat entered, it was permitted. As Shabbat continued, it became prohibited with the birth. As I then showed it to the Hakam, it became permitted. Okay. It's exactly our case. For sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. I gotcha. This Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov. The question of Shabbat would apply to the clothing and to the fruits. The Bechor is only a Yom Tov, but it's the same question fundamentally. The judgment on Yom Tov problem, what happened to that? So we determined earlier on the Amud that if the baby is born with the blemish, in that circumstance it's not considered the same type of judgment situation. I don't know means entering into the day, I don't know. Over here it's born. I see a blemish on it, I'm allowed to show it to the Hakam. That's what we said, Vishavin at the top of the Amud. Rashi said in such a situation it's not exactly the same thing. That that was the halakha. You know, that's that was the conversation we had earlier. Ultimately speaking, you are allowed to show it. Or alternatively, you did show it. You know, in other words, but over here, Shavin that you're allowed to show it. So uh, we have an explicit proof then. But they're not parallel. The two cases. Not the cases are not What? I was saying the same thing. I'm saying. Why not? Why not? The mother. (laughs) The two who learned with that. The mother. Mother was impregnated. Of course, it existed. The baby never existed, according to everything you said before. Yeah, because you said the baby never existed as a bechor. It was never born, but it existed. That's correct, but it means that as part of the mother, it's a permitted limb. It's a permitted limb. No, but I'll 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 just state it in those words. I don't have a problem saying so. It's a it's a permitted limb of the mother. So say as it entered into the day, it's the mother which is permitted. As it's born, it becomes the baby. It was existent, so maybe it's additional fat to the mother, but it exists. Nobody's saying that it doesn't exist. Uh, so in turn, the Gemara says, I have a question. Uh, so. That's the halakha. The halakha is that if you slaughter... Right. So that's Rashi. No, Rashi is quoting for us the pasuk, Asher Yivaled, the only time a Bechor achieves its status as Bechor is with birth. Yeah, that's, that's the point. Over here it's not birth. If the Bechor doesn't have a blemish, then it has Kedushah, then you have a problem. 
then you, you can't eat from it at all. Then it needs to be sacrificed. The coin eats from it after the sacrifice. You don't have such a possibility. Wait, how, how did we just answer that? We didn't answer it. We stopped. Oh, not yet. No. Oh, had we answered Nathan's point? The way we answered Nathan's point is we said, it does exist. So you want to say, but it exists as its mother? It exists as its mother. But it's existent and it's permitted. In, in, in the womb? In the womb. It is an existent something. So you say, no, but it's not its but own entity. It's not its own entity, but it is existent. But it's existing not Ra'ui Ra'achila. Of course it's Ra'ui Ra'achila. It's part of its mother. That's right. The mother's Ra'ui Ra'achila. That's why it's different than the egg scenario. But, but, but okay. But how, how, what, what's the mechanics? If I, if I shecht a, a, a living mother who's pregnant, yes. don't I have to shecht? Don't I have to shecht? No. Meaning because the baby automatically dies, so now that's Ra'ui Ra'achila. No, the baby's part of that mother. No, I'm saying the baby will dies and punches you down. Maybe not, maybe won't even die. You can kill it afterwards. You don't need a slaughter. Ben Pekua does not have the traditional halachot of animals. It is, as Nathan, as you claim, the mother. The mother, but the mother's permitted. And as a result, entering into Yom Tov, it's permitted. And as it's born, it's forbidden. And as you show it to the Hakam, it's permitted again. And our statement is, it's permitted. So whereas the initial question was posed, Yesh Mukseh Hasi Shabbat or not, the answer was, yes, it's Asur. This is the counterclaim. The evidence against this is, Vishavin. Everybody agrees that if the Bechor is born with the blemish, that it's permitted for consumption, provided that you showed it to the Hakam. How's that so? That's Mukseh Hasi Shabbat. Of course it's Muqseh, after its birth. It's only allowed if you're going to accept the mother. It was allowed entering into the day because the mother was allowed. It's born on the day, it's no longer allowed. It's showed to a hakam and determined that it has a mum, it's now allowed. And it's allowed. We always had her in mind that if it had the mum, it's allowed. It's not it's not enough. It's not, a reality, it's not enough. Yeah. You don't know that it has the moon. You're giving me a tilia if it has a moon, not clear. If it doesn't have a moon, it has a moon. You're not taking it to the Mikdash. And it doesn't have to be shecht as a baby. No. If the mother's shecht, you could eat it without slurring it in a proper Ben Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Amar Abaye v'itemar av Safra. Abaye, and some say that this, this answer was provided by Rav Safra. Kegon de yatve de hatam. Two taps over here can be interchanged with sheens. Yashivu Dayanim Sham. The judges were sitting, or the mumhe was sitting there. What, what did that, as it came out? In other words, the suggestion, it's a dahok answer. Indeed, it goes like this. Maybe. That doesn't need one, but it goes like this. In the moment that the baby is in the mother's womb, it's permitted. As the mother came out, you told me there's a few minutes until you called the hacham over where it's forbidden. Why is it forbidden? I'm not certain whether this is a blemish or not. It's a bechor. I might have a problem. Till I turn the hacham over and the hacham determines that it's permitted. I have mukseh and then I, and then I permitted the mukseh. Never happened. What happened was entering into the holiday, it's permitted because the mother is permitted. As it's born, it's immediately permitted. What do you mean it's immediately permitted? I thought I needed the mumchet to determine that. The mumchet, the judges, are sitting there at the time of birth. But the second they see it, 
that that time that time in the eyes of the Gemara is negligible to the extent that it was never considered muksir. I hear you. Uh, you know, in in Eli's words to you, Jeffrey, he was suggesting that might be as well why you don't have any of the problems that we mentioned earlier. In other words, uh, the dayanut or that, that it's a true dayanut or the uh, uh, you know any of those sorts of issues that we mentioned. It might be connected to it, but even without this added detail, Rashi and the Gemara was assuming we didn't have such issues. Uh, that's the answer of the Gemara. What happens then is to just put this in mind, because the, the Gemara does is to now it presents the whole thing in the opposite direction, which will be easy to understand if we have this clear. Well, this whole thing is analogous to, to the dates now on the roof? That's it. That's it. So state it, to state it clearly, Eli, the question of the Gemara is, if... I have, let's do it with dates. I have, I think it's figs, right? Figs. figs. All right. Anyway, so I have figs or have, um, uh, what are they called? Grapes that I put at the top of my roof. Entering into Shabbat, into Yom Tov, they're permitted. Why they're permitted? Because they're already dried up. It rains on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, they're forbidden. They're inedible. It then dries up. Are they permitted or not? Version number one, now I'm calling it, because we're about to see version number two of the Gemara is not permitted. Counterclaim to, to them not being permitted is, how come the Bechor is permitted when it's born? Answer, well, when the Bechor came out, the seconds in time until the judges determined it was permitted are negligible, and effectively there was never any time when this Bechor was actually muksid. The Gemara is going to do everything in the opposite direction now. The first answer to the question, when the fruits went up onto the roof and they were edible, but then they became inedible, and then they became edible again. Permitted or not? First answer now in version number two, permitted. First answer a moment ago was not permitted. Then when I said, oh, I have a proof for you. Beautiful explanation. Permitted. I'll bring you a proof. The Bechor. You see that case? Even though the Bechor was forbidden for a moment, when it became permitted afterwards, it's permitted. Counterclaim to that will be, no, the Dayanim were sitting there and there was a negligible time. In other words, what the Gemara is about to do, and we've seen this, we see this in the Gemara all the time, is we're trying to retrace what took place. The details are all there. In other words, we know the proof and we know the counterclaim to the proof. We don't know what the initial suggestion was. I know the rabbi said something. I remember we discussed this, and then I remember we came out that way. I don't remember the direction we went in. That's what the Gemara does here. Says the Gemara, Ikade Amre, Yeshe Omrim. There's a different version to what took place. Amar le, the answer to whether Yesh Mukzela Hatsi Shabbat or not, was not Yesh Mukzela, but rather, En Mukzela Hatsi Shabbat. It's permitted. In turn, the response in the Midrash was, Oh, I have a proof for you. Veshavin quote, Remember that case, the case where the Bechor comes out? That's a great proof for you. That Muqsel Hati Shabbat is permitted. Isn't the Bechor initially entering into Yom Tob permitted because of the mother? It's then born, it's not pushed aside from permissibility, it's mukseh. You show it to the mumheh, it becomes permitted. You see, it's permitted. And mukseh lahazi Shabbat. Great proof. 
it's not a good proof to support that in Muqsel Hatzi Shabbat because we can suggest, we don't have proof, but at the very least we can suggest that the circumstance, the situation was that the mumheh, the people, the person who's deciding whether this has a mum or not, is sitting there. It still takes a moment or two, negligible in the scheme of whether it's considered mukseh or not. We don't have a proof. We're still stuck. We know the halakha because we saw a little letter where it says, in mukseh lahati shabbat, there's a little gimal. That already tells you that that's the halakha we're going to follow when all the dust is settled. So in terms of the rainfall, on your clothing, entering into Shabbat, you now know if that's what's going to happen this Shabbat without going further. We know it's going to be permitted once it dries up. But we don't know why yet, because the Gemara has not provided conclusive evidence. But the Gemara will continue to try. Tashema says the Gemara, perhaps I can bring proof from the following Tanaic statement from Masechet Shabbat. Haya ochel ba'anavim. If before Shabbat, you're sitting and enjoying your uh, fruits. What sort of fruits? Your grapes. The hotir. And then you had a few leftover fruits. So you know something? I'll turn these fruits into raisins. I enjoyed my grapes. Maybe I'll have some raisins later, th- later on. You take those grapes up to the roof and you spread them out with the intention of creating, of bringing forth raisins. Entering into Shabbat, you're eating figs. And you had leftover, again, of the fresh, uh, uh, moist ones. You bring them up to the roof in order to dry them out. In order to turn them into dried figs. Okay, so that's the circumstance. We brought them up to the roof. Before Shabbat, as I was eating them before Shabbat. I, I don't know one way or another. The hotir just means I had leftover. I don't, the leftover. Have, have to be dry before we know they need to be dry before Shabbat. We don't know anything otherwise. Says the halakha. We don't know exact context. All we know is what's provided. All of this conversation is going to be with the Gemara. is going to need to work out. Lo yochal mehen ad yazmin mi it says the statement in this, uh, in this Mishnah, you may not eat from them unless you're mazmin, unless you specifically state, I'm going to eat from these on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Interesting. One more time. I took the fruits when they were ripe, when they were ripe and moist, before Shabbat, brought them up to the roof. I don't know what happened before Shabbat. Did they dry? Did they not dry? Of course, that's what we're going to have to determine. The only way that it's going to be permitted for consumption on Shabbat is... If I verbally or mentally and verbally determined I'm going to eat from these on Shabbat. I still don't know the context. I still don't. You could verbally make something you said. No. No, quite quite the opposite. If I do. I'm saying I'm going to put these grapes up there. Now that you said. No, I. It's a good question. Good question. Could you discern something if you say these grapes are gross to me? I'm, yeah. Not gross. I would like some raisins. I want to save them for Sunday. Yeah. Let's let's determine the case first. But at this point, I know that I need to verbally state, and we'll we'll arrive at an answer to that question. But I need to verbally state that I'm going to eat from them, otherwise they're forbidden. Without a verbal statement that I'm going to eat from them, they're forbidden. I don't understand why yet. As raisins? I want to eat from them as raisins. As I need to determine that. Vechen says the Mishnah further, you find the same law, ba'afarsakin, u'bahavushin, u'bishar kol perot, feels like the hosha'anot on hosha'an araba, afarsakin are what, uh, peaches, havushin are? Quince. 
quinces are fantastic. And any other fruits which in your mind you decide you're going to bring up and you were eating them beforehand and so forth, you need to be mazmin. Says the Gemara, please help me with context. Please help me with details. All I know is the very broad contours of what you described is taking place here. I want to understand more detail so I could really understand the halakha. What is the case? If these fruits are edible, when you brought them up to the roof, entering into Shabbat, why do you need a verbal pronouncement that I'm going to eat from them? I had these fruits, I was eating from them. I brought them up to the roof. If they're edible at the entrance of Shabbat, what's the problem? Why do you need to verbally state I'm going to eat from them? The assumption is you should not and would not need to verbally state that I'm going to eat from them. Says Rashi, If you put them up on your roof and your intention again was that they dry out and they are dried out prior to Shabbat to the extent that I'd eat from them, what do you need to state anything? How do you know? Because it says here... Yes, made raisins out of them. Uh, uh, this is all taking place before Shabbat. You didn't bring them on Shabbat to dry them. So if they are raisins to the extent that they're edible before Shabbat or dried out figs or dried out or quinces, etc., why would you need a state that I'm going? If they're not there yet and they're in this apparently inedible in between stage to the extent that they're not <laughs> moist any longer but they're not dried out nobody would eat from them you say i'm going to eat from these that's nonsense that's ludicrous you're not going to eat from them nobody eats from them in such a way that has mana that setting aside for edibility on shabbat that's that's inconsequential it's a nothing statement so what's the case in other words, either way you slice it, I have two options. Entering into Shabbat, it's edible. Entering into Shabbat, it's not. A, it's inedible. If it's edible, you don't need hazmana. You don't need a verbally state. I don't need to say, all the fruit in my fridge, I'm going to eat from on Shabbat. Of course you're going to eat from Shabbat, potentially. You don't need to designate that. Anything that's in my possession, I might use. You don't need to say those words. If it's not usable, what did your words affect? Your words don't affect anything. If they're inedible, what if I say sticks and stones, says Rashi, indeed. I'm going to eat from these on Shabbat. So then you're permitted to use them on Shabbat? That's nonsense. They're inedible. They're sticks and stones. That's Rashi's example. When did you come out of them? What's that? When did you come out of them? Uh, uh, slow down. It'd be a few lines ahead of me here. And they go, at this point, I don't know. Says the Gemara... Vechitema may be the case is de la yada ihazu ilahazu. Maybe the case is I I maybe I figured it out. I just don't know whether they're edible. It's a hassle to go up to the roof and to go check on them. Instead of me going and checking on them, I'm going to make the following statement. If they are edible, someone, I forgot who was suggesting this earlier, if they are edible, so then I'm going to eat from them. If they're not edible, then I won't eat from them. How are you going to determine the next day whether they were edible before Shabbat or not? I don't know, but you're going to be able to determine that. And the next day, you're going to go up and you're going to say, these were edible before Shabbat, and I made my hazmana, so then it's permitted. It says the Gemara, Ha'marav Kahana, Mukseh, Shiyavesh, Ve'en Ha'ba'alim, Makirin, Bo, Mutahar. But we have a statement that in such a circumstance, it's not per se dependent upon your mindset if the reality is such that they are edible. 
if they are already dried out, we are posek lahalacha, it's clear in the Gemara, they're already dried out and edible. You didn't know so? Who cares? You oh, didn't need to verbally on. state so. Why not? Why not? You don't know? But the reality is there. They're already dried out. So what? You need to state something? The Gemara, therefore, and of course we'll return to this tomorrow. That's I said I don't know the answer to that question. You somehow do. I'm not a farmer. I'm not a dried fruit guy. So the mumhe of dried fruits is determining that for you. <laughs> rather, and this is the punchline which we'll return to tomorrow. Dehazu veadhu vehadar ahazu. Perhaps the case must be in that Mishnah which we're dealing with, which we can't figure out. What is the situation? Why would you need to make that hazmana? Why do you need to make that verbal statement that I'm going to eat from these? If it's edible, if it's not edible, whatever. Perhaps the case is entering into Shabbat, into Yom Tov. It is edible. On Shabbat, on Yom Tov, it begins to rain. They're inedible. Then they become edible again. Pause for a second. If you tell me, in Shabbat, I don't need any verbal designation. If alternatively you tell me, Yesh Shabbat, maybe that's what my verbal designation is doing. Of course, the Gemara will counter that. What did verbal designation do? You can't really solve six and stones with your verbal designation. Okay, we'll return to this tomorrow. Amen. Amen.